Chapter Twenty of The Precipice by Ivan Goncharov, translated by M. Bryant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vera came that night to supper with a gloomy face. She eagerly drank a glass of milk, but offered no remark to anyone. Why are you so unhappy, Verochka? asked her aunt. Don't you feel well? I was afraid to ask, interposed Tit Nikonich politely. I could not help noticing, Vera Vasilyevna, that you have been altered for some time. You seem to have grown thinner and paler. The change becomes your looks, but the symptoms ought not to be overlooked, as they might indicate the approach of illness. I have a little toothache, but it will soon pass, answered Vera unwillingly. Tatiana Markovna looked away sadly enough, but said nothing while Raisky tapped his plate absently with a fork, but ate nothing and maintained a gloomy silence. Only Marfinka and Vikentiev took every dish that was offered them, and chattered without intermission. Vera soon took her leave, followed by Raisky. She went into the park and stood at the top of the cliff, looking down into the dark wood below her. Then she wrapped herself in her mantilla, and sat down on the bench. Silently she acceded to Raisky's request to be allowed to sit down beside her. You are in trouble and suffering, Vera. I have toothache. It is your heart that aches, Vera. Share your trouble with me. I make no complaint. You have an unhappy love affair. With whom? She did not answer. She knew that her hopes were still not dead, mad though they might be. What if she went away for a week or two to breathe, to conjure up her strength? Cousin, she said at last, tomorrow at daybreak I am going across the Volga and may stay away longer than usual. I have not said good-bye to grandmother. Please say it for me. I will go away too. Wait, cousin, until I am a little calmer. Perhaps then I can confide in you and we can part like brother and sister, but now it is impossible. Still, in case you do go away, let us say good-bye now. Forgive me my strange ways, and let me give you a sister's kiss. She kissed him on the forehead and walked quickly away, but she had only taken a few steps before she paused to say, Thank you for all you have done for me. I have not the strength to tell you how grateful I am for your friendship, and above all for this place. Farewell, and forgive me. Vera, he cried in painful haste, let me stay as long as you are here or are in the neighborhood. Even if we don't see one another, I yet know where you are. I will wait till you are calmer, till you fulfill your promise and confide in me, as you have said you would. You won't be far away, and we can at least write to one another, Give me at least this consolation, for God's sake, he murmured passionately. Leave me at least that paradise which is next door to hell. She looked at him with a distraught air and bent her head in assent. But she saw the glow of delight which swept over his agitated face and wondered sorrowfully why he did not speak like that. I will put off my journey till the day after tomorrow. Good night, 
she said, and gave him her hand to kiss before they separated. Early next day Vera gave Marina a note, with instructions to deliver it and to wait for the answer. After the receipt of the answer she grew more cheerful and went out for a walk along the riverside. That evening she told her aunt that she was going on a visit to Natalia Ivanovna and took leave of them all, promising Raisky not to forget him. The next day a fisherman from the Volga brought him a letter from Vera, in which she called him dear cousin, and seemed to look forward to a happier future. Into the friendly tone of the letter he contrived to read a tender feeling, and he forgot in his delight his doubts, his anxiety, the blue letters, and the precipice. He wrote and dispatched immediately a brief affectionate reply. Vera's letter aroused in him the artist's sense, and drove him to set out his chaotic emotions in defined form. He sought to crystallize his thoughts and affections, his very passion took artistic shape, and assumed in the clear light Vera's charming features. "'What are you scribbling day and night?' inquired Tatiana Markovna. "'Is it a play or another novel?' I write and write, Granny, and don't know myself how it will end. It doesn't matter what the child does so long as he is amused, she remarked, not altogether missing the character of Raisky's occupation. But why do you write at night, when I am so afraid of fire, and you might fall asleep over your drama? You will make yourself ill, and you often look as yellow as an overripe gherkin as it is. He looked in the glass and was struck with his own appearance. Yellow patches were visible on the nose and temples, and there were grey threads in his thick black hair. If I were fair, he grumbled, I should not age so quickly. Don't bother about me, Granny, but leave me my freedom. I can't sleep. You, too, ask me for freedom, like Vera. It is as if I held you both in chains, she added with an anxious sigh. Go on writing, Borushka, but not at night. I cannot sleep in peace, for when I look at your window the light is always burning. I will answer for a grandmother, that there shall be no fire, and if I myself were to be burnt, touch wood do not tempt fate remember the saying that my tongue is my enemy suddenly raisky sprang from the divan and ran to the window there is a peasant bringing a letter from vera he cried as he hurried out of the room one might think it was his father in person said tatiana markovna to herself how many candles he burns with his novels and plays as many as four in a night. Again Raisky received a few lines from Vera. She wrote that she was longing to see him again, and that she wanted to ask for his services. She added the following postscript. Dear friend and cousin, you taught me to love and to suffer, and poured the strength of your love into my soul, this it is that gives me courage to ask you to do a good deed. There is here an unhappy man who has been driven from his home and lies under the suspicion of the government. 
he has no place to lay his head and everyone either from indifference or fear avoids him but you are kind and generous and cannot be indifferent still less will you hesitate to do a deed of pure charity the wretched man has not a kopeck has no clothes and autumn is coming on if your heart tells you as i don't doubt it will what to do address the wife of the acolyte Sekleteya burdalachov but arrange it so that neither grandmother nor anyone at home knows anything of it a sum of three hundred roubles will be sufficient i think to provide for him for a whole year perhaps two hundred and fifty would suffice will you put in a cloak and a warm vest in my firm belief in your kind heart and your love to me i enclose the measures taken by the village tailor to protect him from the cold i don't like to ask you for a rug for him that would be to make an unfair use of kindness in the winter the poor exile will probably leave the place and will bless you and to some degree me as well i would not have troubled you but you know that my grandmother has all my money which is therefore inaccessible what on earth is the meaning of this postscript cried raisky the whole note is certainly not from her hand she could not have written like this he threw himself on the divan in a fit of nervous laughter he was in tatiana markovna's sitting-room with vikentiev and marfinka at first the lovers laughed but stopped when they saw the violent character of his mirth tatiana markovna who came in at this moment offered him some drops of cordial in a teaspoon no grandmother he cried still laughing violently don't give me drops but three hundred roubles what do you want the money for said tatiana markovna hesitating is it for markushka again you had much better ask him to return the eighty roubles he has had he entered into the spirit of the bargain and eventually had to content himself with two hundred and fifty roubles which he dispatched next day to the address given he also ordered the cloak and vest and bought a warm rug to be sent in a few days i thank you heartily and with tears dear cousin ran the letter he received in return for his gifts i cannot express in writing the gratitude i feel heaven not i will reward you how delighted the poor exile was with your gifts he laughed for joy and is wearing the new things he immediately paid his landlord his three months arrears of rent and a month in advance he only allowed himself to spend three roubles in cigars which he has not smoked for a long time and smoking is his only passion although the apocryphal nature of this remarkable missive was quite clear to raisky he did not hesitate to add a box of cigars to his gift for the poor exile it was enough for him that vera's name was attached to this pressing request he observed the course of his own passion as a physician does disease as he watched the clouds driven before the wind or looked at the green carpet of the earth now taking on sad autumnal hues he realized that nature was marching on her way through never-ending change with not a moment's stagnation 
he alone brooded idly with no prize in view he asked himself anxiously what his duty was and begged that reason would shed some light on his way give him boldness to leap over the funeral pyre of his hopes reason told him to seek safety in flight he drove into the town to buy some necessities for the journey and there met the governor who reproached him with having hidden himself for so long raisky excused himself on the ground of ill health and spoke of his approaching departure where are you going it is all one to me returned Loraisky gloomily here i am so bored that i must seek some distraction i intend going to st petersburg then to my estate in the government of r and then perhaps abroad i don't wonder that you are bored with staying in the same spot since you avoid society and must need distraction will you make an expedition with me i am starting on a tour of the district to-morrow why not come with me you will see much that is beautiful and being a poet you will collect new impressions we will travel for a hundred versts by river don't forget your sketchbook raisky shook the governor's proffered hand and accepted the governor showed him his well-equipped travelling carriage declared that his kitchen would travel with him and cards should not be forgotten and promised himself a gayer journey than would have been possible in the sole society of a busy secretary raisky felt a relief in the firm determination he now made to conquer his passion and decided not to return from this journey but to have his effects sent after him while he was away he wrote in this sense to vera telling her that his life in malinovka had been like an evil dream full of suffering and that if he ever saw the place again it would be at some distant date a day or two later he received a short answer from vera dated from malinovka marfinka's birthday fell during the next week and when the festival was over she was to go on a long visit to her future mother-in-law if raisky did not make some sacrifice and return a sacrifice to her grandmother and herself tatiana markovna would be terribly lonely next evening he had a letter from vera acquiescing in his intention of leaving malinovka without seeing her again and saying that immediately after the dispatch of this letter she would go over to her friend on the other side of the volga but she hoped that he would go to say good-bye to tatiana markovna and the rest of the household as his departure without any farewell must necessarily cause surprise in the town and would hurt tatiana markovna's feelings this answer relieved him enormously on the afternoon of the next day when he alighted from the carriage on the outskirts of the town and bade his travelling host good-bye he was in good enough spirits as he picked up his bag and made his way to the house marfinka and vikentiev were the first to meet him the dogs leaped to welcome him the servants hurried up and the whole household showed such genuine pleasure at his return that he was moved almost to tears he looked anxiously round to see if vera was there but one and another hastened to tell him that vera had gone away he ought to have been glad to hear this news but he heard it with a spasm of pain 
when he entered his aunt's room she sent pashutka out and locked the door how anxiously i have been expecting you she said i wanted to send a messenger for you what is the matter he exclaimed pale with terror in fears of bad news of vera your friend leonti ivanovitch is ill poor fellow what is wrong is it dangerous i will go to him at once i will have the horses put in in the meantime i may as well tell you what is known all over the town i have kept it secret from marfinka only and vera already knows it his wife has left him and he has fallen ill yesterday and the day before the kozlov's cook came to fetch you where has she gone away with the frenchman char who was suddenly called to st petersburg she pretended she was going to stay with her relations in moscow and said that monsieur char would accompany her so far she extracted from kozlov a pass giving her permission to live alone and is now with char in st petersburg her relations with char replied raisky were no secret to anybody except her husband every one will laugh at him but he will understand nothing and his wife will return you have not heard the end on her way she wrote to her husband telling him to forget her not to expect her return because she could no longer endure living with him the fool just as if she had not made scandal enough poor leonti i will go to him how sorry i am for him yes borushka i am sorry for him too and should like to have gone to see him he has the simple honesty of a child god has given him learning but no common sense and he is buried in his books i wonder who is looking after him now if you find he is not being properly cared for bring him here the old house is empty and we can establish him there for the time being i will have two rooms got ready for him what a woman you are grandmother while i am thinking you have acted when he reached kozlov's house he found the shutters of the grey house were closed and he had to knock repeatedly before he was admitted he passed through the anteroom into the dining-room and stood uncertain before the study door hesitating whether he should knock or go straight in suddenly the door opened and there stood before him dressed in a woman's dressing-gown and slippers mark volokov unbrushed sleepy pale thin and sinister the evil one has brought you at last he grumbled half in surprise and half in vexation where have you been all this time i have hardly slept for two nights his pupils are about in the daytime but at night he is alone what is the matter with him has no one told you that she-goat has gone i was pleased to hear it and came at once to congratulate him but i found him with not a drop of blood in his face with dazed eyes and unable to recognize any one he just escaped brain fever instead of weeping for joy the man has nearly died of sorrow 
i fetched the doctor but kozlov sent him away and walked up and down the room like one demented now he is sleeping so we will not disturb him i will go and you must stay and see that he does not do himself some injury in a fit of melancholy he listens to no one and i have been tempted to smack him mark spit with vexation you can't depend on his idiot of a cook yesterday the woman gave him some tooth powder instead of his proper powder i'm going to dismiss her to-morrow raisky watched him in amazement and offered his hand what favour is this said mark bitterly and without taking the proffered hand i thank you for having stood by my old friend mark seized raisky's hand and shook it i have been looking for some means of serving you for a long time why volokov are you forever executing quick changes like a clown in a circus what the devil have i to do with your gratitude i'm not here for that but on kozlov's account god be with you and your manners mark ivanovitch replied raisky in any case you have done a good deed more praise you can be as sentimental as you like for all i care i will take leonti home with me resumed raisky he will be absolutely at home there and if his troubles do not blow over he will have his own quiet corner all his life bravo that is deeds not words kozlov would wither without a home and without care it is an excellent idea you have taken into your head it comes not from me but from a woman and not from her head but from her heart my aunt the old lady has a sound heart i must go and breakfast with her one day it is a pity she has amassed so many foolish ideas now i'm going look after kozlov if not personally through someone else the day before yesterday his head had to be cooled all day and at night cabbage leaves should be laid on it i was a little disturbed because in his dazed state he got the cabbage and began to eat it good-bye i have neither slept nor eaten though avdotya has treated me to a horrible brew of coffee allow me to send the coachman home to fetch some supper said raisky i would rather eat at home perhaps you have no money said raisky nervously drawing out his pocket-book i have money said mark enigmatically hardly able to restrain a callous laugh i am going to the bath-house before i have my supper as i haven't been able to undress here i have changed my quarters and now live with a clerical personage you look ill thin and your eyes mark's face grew more evil and sinister than before you too look worse he said if you look in the glass you will see yellow patches and hollow eyes i have many causes of anxiety so have i good-bye said mark and was gone raisky went into the study and walked up to the bed on tiptoe who is there asked leonti feebly when leonti recognized raisky he pushed his feet out of bed and sat up is he gone he asked weakly i pretended to be asleep you have not been for so long and i have been expecting you all the time 
the face of an old comrade is the only one that i can bear to see i have been away and heard when i returned of your illness it is gossip there is a conspiracy to say i am ill which is all foolish talk mark who even fetched a doctor has been hanging about here as if he were afraid i should do myself an injury said leonti and paced up and down the room you are weak and walk with difficulty said raisky it would be better for you to lie down i am weak that is true admitted leonti he bent over the chair back to raisky embraced him and laid his face against his hair Raisky felt hot tears on his forehead and cheeks. It is weakness, sobbed Leonti. But I am not ill and have not brain fever. They talk but don't understand. And I understood nothing either. But now that I see you, I cannot keep back my tears don't abuse me like mark or laugh at me as they all do my colleagues and my sympathetic visitors i can discern malicious laughter on all their faces i respect and understand your tears and your sorrow said raisky stifling his own tears you are my kind old comrade even at school you never laughed at me and do you know why i weep leonti took a letter from his desk and handed it to raisky it was the letter from yuliana andreevna of which tatiana markovna had spoken raisky glanced through it destroy it he said you will have no peace while it is in your possession destroy it said leonti seizing the letter and replacing it in the desk how is it possible to think of such a thing when these are the only lines she has written me and these are all that i have as a souvenir leonti think of all this as a malady a terrible misfortune and don't succumb to it you are not an old man and have a long life before you my life is over unless she returns to me he whispered what you could you would take her back you too boris fail to understand me cried leonti in despair as he thrust his hands into his hair and strode up and down people keep on saying i am ill they offer sympathy bring a doctor sit all night by my bedside and yet don't guess why i suffer so wildly don't even guess at the only remedy there is for me she is not here he whispered wildly seizing raisky by the shoulders and shaking him violently she is not here and that is what constitutes my illness besides i am not ill i am dead take me to her and i shall rise again and you ask whether i will take her back again you a novelist don't understand simple things like that i did not know that you loved her like that said raisky tenderly 
you used to laugh and say that you had got so used to her that you were becoming faithless to your greeks and romans i chatted i posted laughed leonti bitterly and i was without understanding but for this i never should have understood i thought i loved the ancients while my whole love was given to the living woman yes boris i loved books and my gymnasium the ancients and the moderns my scholars and you boris i loved the street this hedge the service tree there only through my love for her now nothing of all this matters i knew that as i lay on the floor reading her letter and you ask whether i would receive her god in heaven if she came how she should be cherished he concluded his tears flowing once more leonti i come to you with a request from tatiana markovna who asks you he went on though leonti walked ceaselessly up and down dragging his slippers and appearing not to listen to come over to us here you will die of misery oh, thank you said leonti shaking his head she is a saint but how can a desolate man carry his sorrow into a strange house not a strange house leonti we are brothers and our relation is closer than the ties of blood leonti lay down on the bed and took raisky's hand pardon my egoism he said later later i will come of my own accord will ask permission to look after your library if no hope is left me have you any hope what do you think there is no hope raisky who did not wish to deprive his friend of the last straw nor to stir useless hope in him hesitated before he answered after a pause i don't know what to say to you exactly leonti i know so little of your wife that i cannot judge her character you know her said leonti in a dull voice it was you who directed my attention to the frenchman but then i did not understand you because nothing of the kind had entered my head but if he leaves her he said with a gleam of hope in his eyes she will perhaps remember me perhaps said raisky to-morrow i will come to fetch you good-bye for the present to-night i will either come myself or send someone who will stay with you leonti did not hear and did not even see raisky go when he reached home raisky gave his aunt an account of leonti's condition telling her that there was no danger but that no sympathy would help matters. Yakov was sent to look after the sick man, and Tatiana Markovna did not forget to send an abundant supper with tea, rum, wine, and all sorts of other things. "'What are these things for, grandmother?' asked Raisky. "'He doesn't eat anything.' "'But the other one, if he returns?' "'What other one?' "'Who but Markushka?' he will want something to eat you found him with our invalid i will go to mark granny and tell him what you say for goodness sake don't do that borushka mark will laugh at me no he will be grateful and respectful for he understands you he is not like neil andreevich 
i don't want his gratitude and respect let him eat and be satisfied and god be with him he is a ruined man has he remembered the eighty roubles End of chapter 20